Happy New Year! Yay! <laughs> Happy New Year, my friends. It is a brand new year, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. I am your host, Dana Shea. And today, you guys, we couldn't start off the new year without talking about vision, right? And I'm so excited to have with us a new friend to the podcast, Gabby Sundra. Gabby and I, our hearts connected right away as we began to talk even before we started recording this episode episode. I always say I need to start recording the episodes from the moment I meet my guests because we many times have so many incredibly rich conversations before I even hit record. So I'm sorry that that's not being captured for you, but just know that what she shares in this episode is content rich. There is so, so much value here and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So I know that you might not be listening to this episode in real time, but the time that this episode was recorded, we are celebrating a brand new year. And so with a new year comes a new vision. It comes new plans. It comes with a new outlook. And hopefully you are feeling hopeful and you are envisioning a better future, a brighter future for you and your relationships and your marriage. So today, like I said, we have love coach and relationship expert, Gabby Sundra. Gabby is passionate about helping couples to create relationship visions. And I too am passionate about that. You know, the Bible actually says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says that where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, meaning they have no self-control. There's no boundaries. They're just kind of wheelie kneeling it. They're just kind of hoping for the best. And usually relationships without a vision will eventually go off the rails. So I want you to think about your relationship right now and ask yourself, do you have a vision for your relationship? Where are you headed? Or are you just kind of hoping for the best? I believe that most of the healthiest relationships that I know have a vision. Now, they might not have a vision statement written down and posted in their dining room for all to see, but they know where they're headed. They know where they're going. Think about it. When we get in our cars to travel to a destination, we A, have to know where we are, and then B, we have to know where we're going. Where are you going? Where is your relationship headed? A lot of times we'll look at teenagers and relationships and they're just googly-eyed and they don't really have a destination. They're certainly not thinking about marriage or anything like that. They're just kind of living from one day to the next. And that's cute for teenage relationships. But for adult relationships, you need to know where this thing is going and how much more for a marriage. Where do you want to go? One of my favorite questions is, what would it look like if? That's a great way to start a vision for your relationship. But I don't want to give away all the goods. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to our guest for today, Gabby Sundra. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Well, I'm so excited, everyone, to have on the show with us Gabby Sundra. Gabby, thank you so much for being our guest. We've been talking already before I even hit record just about how our visions are so aligned. And so I'm really excited to just get into this conversation with you today, talking about how to have a a vision for your relationship. Oh, thanks so much for having me and for those listening or watching today. It's 
it's always a treat to talk about love and intentionality and having some fun as you move towards having more of what you want rather than having to be stuck in the drudgery of going through all the stuff you don't want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because I know you have an incredible story. You've been married, what, 14 years now? Is that right? Almost 15 years. We're a few months from our 15-year anniversary. Very excited. Mm-hmm. 17 years together, 15 married. Love it. Now, I know that the relationship kind of had a rocky start. And as a matter of fact, wasn't it your friends that were like, "Mm, we don't know about this? Yeah. In fact, it was at we had an engagement party. And at the engagement party, a friend of ours, a very dear friend, pulled us aside and took us to another room. And we thought he was going to give us a gift. And in many ways, he did give us a gift. But that gift was to say, I don't think you guys should get married his exact words were, it looks pretty messy to me from here. So we had lots of conflict. We had a masculine, feminine power struggle dynamic. You know, I'm a much more extroverted. He's much more introverted. We had all kinds of opposites. Um, you know, they say opposites attract, but it's not always so obvious. And we definitely had some battles to work out. But now, flash, you know, jump forward 15 years we call it our messy to magical marriage because our intuition was so strong to be together. We knew we're like, okay, we have to figure this out. We're not, I was 36. He was 39 when we met. We were no spring chickens who were like, we've been here before. Let's actually do the work to enjoy the relationship that we have here rather than shying away from it and, or ending a relationship because of transformation that's biting us in the butt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You talked about that masculine feminine conflict there. Would you think that was kind of the, the foundation or the, the core of what most of your problems were stemming from? You, it sure was. You, you spotted that you, you heard that one, Mm -hmm. you know, of our top three or five conflicts that was definitely right up there. And uh, in my family, it's a strong matriarchal family. I had nine aunts. They didn't all marry as well. They somewhat used to refer to men as dead weight. Mm. (laughs) And so I grew up with these, like, you know, envisioning these strong women and, you know, men were just someone else, another kid to take care of. And so when I met my husband, he had lost his father when he was 12 but nobody grieved. They all just coped. And so Mm. he kind of spent his adult life wanting to be comforted. And I kind of spent my adult life kind of proving that I didn't need anybody and like kind of with the attitude, get up, you ain't hurt. And if you need me, then you're not strong enough for me. So we really had some of those dynamics that I was, I was a lot more of a hard ass than I realized. And within six months, a year of dating each other, people kept saying, you're so much softer, Gabby. And I don't know what you're doing, Raj, but keep on doing it. So his need to be comforted allowed me to connect with my more feminine side Mm -hmm. and my kind of standing and calling for him to step into his power really brought him into another level of himself. But the day that I said, honey, put your head in my lap when he was upset and rubbed his head and said, Hey, what's going on? Almost overnight, the outburst stopped. So it was enough for that we were both aware that what we were going through wasn't about our relationship. It was about our wounds from our childhood that we felt safe enough together to finally work through without blaming each other. That's the key. Yes, I love that. One of my close friends always says there's no such thing as marriage problems. There's only childhood problems that manifest in marriage. 
you know, excuse me, I'm recovering from the cold. That is oh, that's so okay. great. I love that. Yeah. And it's like, it's so true. Like think of how many problems would be avoided or solved if we realize that our partner, first of all, is not our enemy. And even the issue isn't our enemy. I think the issue reveals that wound that was never fixed inside of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you can see it as that wound from childhood, now you have so much more access to compassion. Yeah. You know, because you're not defending. Because when people blame, that's the natural reaction. You're automatically going to defend yourself. And if you don't have to defend yourself, you can help your beloved move through things. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard of this. I don't know if some of your audience has, but have you heard of Imago therapy? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's by Harville Hendrick, excuse me, and Helen Hunt. And they, it's Imago, I think it's Latin for mirror. And it's essentially the idea that you choose your partner to open up your unhealed wounds so that you have a chance to heal them. Mm -hmm. But not only are they perfect at opening up your unhealed wounds, they're not very good at healing them. Mm -hmm. So you have to be responsible enough to know what your own childhood wounds are, to know what the needs are that are underneath them and not expect them to know or even expect them once you tell them to do it, but to together work in partnership to get those needs met. Mm -hmm. And then you're building the trust that both of you care about each other's needs and don't take it as a personal affront that you're not good enough or you're not this or that, but that you're perfect for helping them heal those wounds from their childhood. That's really good. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm, I'm always thinking of like what might be going through my listeners' minds. And so when I hear that, it sounds incredibly empathetic. It sounds very uh, compassionate. But I think that we have to be like, we have to let people know it's not enabling. It's not a codependent relationship, right? Like you're you're still responsible for yourself and your partner is still responsible for himself or herself, but it's it's learning how to see each other. I love the word imagio, you know, in the Christian faith, we we are, you know, we we know that we were made in the imagio day, which is in the image of God. Same thing, mirror, right? right? right. And so how would you tell someone who um, maybe not getting all into the weeds of the imago therapy, but what if someone is saying, okay, I realize that my partner has these wounds. They've got some areas of brokenness in their life. I've got some areas of brokenness in my life. How can we help to heal each other without becoming codependent? Well, for one, you spoke to it beautifully with ownership, mm -hmm. but it's also really separating the behavior from the person. You can have your, uh, your unconditional love for your beloved, and, but not have a behavior be okay. Yes. Now, if you're building this habit of looking at your own needs and being in partnership, not that you're demanding that they meet your needs, but you're in partnership, you're really as playmates helping each other rather than it's a have to or a should, but it's just something that you build goodwill. Now, it's not going to happen all the time. And sometimes, you know, one of you is more resourced than the other. Occasionally, you're both quite under-resourced, and that's really when there's a lot of challenges. But as much as you can come back to compassion, not being a doormat, um, I one of my favorite tools that I use, I call it the OCC. You know, you might remember that Naughty by Nature song, OPP. So I just <laughs> yeah. remember the song in my head, you down with OCC, yeah, you know me. <laughs> so I can bring some fun and lightness to it. But OCC stands for ownership, compassion, and creativity. Because mm. if we make it our habit to any time we have conflict, his fault or my fault, when there's really no fault. If we're in conflict, it's like whoopsie daisy for both of us. 
Um, at least that's the, the, the foundation my husband and I like to use, not looking for fault or blame, but how can we come together? So we first take ownership. We then express compassion for their experience. And then we make a creative solution, suggestion with an option, like not like we have to do it this way, but hey, we could do this, this or this. What do you think we should do? But it always, it always starts with that ownership, even before the compassion. That's great. I'm going to use that. I'll attribute it to you, but that is amazing. I love that. And then the the acronym. I'm such an acronym girl, so that helps to remember it. So Me ownership, too. OCC, <laughs> OCC, ownership, compassion, compassion and creativity. creativity. Love and it that. also just brings in some fun and lightness. You know, the most common thing that gets said when there's conflict is we need to talk. Right. Right. <laughs> now that just has somebody contract. It's like fingernails on the chalkboard. What I like to say is, hey, you want to play a game? And that brings out the seven-year-old in you and saying like, well, what do you mean? What kind of game? Well, what if we played a game for having the best communication habits we've ever had? You know, well, what if we had played a game for having the best sex we've ever had? Mm -hmm. What if we played a game for going on our dream vacation? You know, so that you're now allies aiming towards the same thing rather than adversaries. Now, that's not to say that we step over the conflicts, but that you're addressing the conflicts in the context of what needs to get handled to get to where you want to go, rather than the whole focus being on the conflict, and especially the focus being on blaming or complaining. You know, Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, who came up with the MAGO, they call it uh, blaming, shaming, and complaining. Mm -hmm. I made it a little bit more fun, and I'll say, oh, I'm being blamey, shamey, complaining. Mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. just to kind of catch myself and so my husband doesn't have to and then take ownership, express compassion, generate creativity. Yeah. And that whole process is creative and not many people do that, you know, and which is I think is the perfect segue to talking about vision. One of the questions that you ask is a very visionary question, like imagine what if. Right. Like imagine what if our relationship could look like this. So I want to really segue into helping couples to create a, vi a vision for their relationship. Yes. And, you know, I was telling you before we started recording, when I'm in my premarital sessions or even marriage coaching sessions, I will always have my couples write a vision statement, which is 99% of them either have never heard of that before or they don't have not met a couple yet that has a vision statement. And can you just tell us, Gabby, first of all, why does a couple need a vision statement and how can they create one? Well, first of all, I just want to reiterate, as we said before the recording, it's so cool to meet someone else who's doing this with couples because in the seven years of my doing this, I have never met anyone who does that mm. with a couple. So I think it's so great because that's truly my mission out there. But instead of couples telling the story of how they met, which is usually fun, yeah. but the couples introduce themselves and say who they are as their vision. Mm. So before I say any more about visions, I'm just going to share my husband and my vision. It's short. We have it memorized. We even took our vision and turned it into a song. We wrote a song about it and recorded a song. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> So we can play the song and listen to it when we're having conflict and we can't say it ourselves. <clears throat> but most often before every meal is when we say it, or if we're in a conflict and we want to kind of pull back from it and just come back to remembering who we really say we are, not who our moods and our overwhelm and our stress and our being hangry and all those things kind of pulls us into being. So we'll say this. I love my marriage and my husband. He says wife, of course. 
We're playful, peaceful, and passionate. We're hot for each other and we express it daily. We generate with intention. We communicate with care. We seek to spot, understand, and meet each other's needs and delights. We contribute to the world. We care for our bodies. We're on top of what is to be done and abundant with our finances, time, energy, and love. And so it's one right there. And two, it's just the way the, hu the human brain works is if you say something that doesn't feel true, you feel like a hypocrite and you want to kind of close that gap. So if I said we're hot for each other and express it daily, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of been a long time since we've been expressing being hot for each other. I'm not waiting for us to get into an argument because we haven't been intimate. I'm seeing that much more regularly and I can true up to it and, and not uh, just clean that up and close the gap, but actually build habits when you have a vision. In our case, every 90 days, we like to look at our vision and say, how can we make that vision more of a reality now? Mm. So we do 90 days on, 30 days off, 90 days on, 30 days off of what's the game now to how to bring that to life, but from a playful, proactive, positive, forward approach rather than, a, oh, let's avoid divorce. You know, I figured out what a jerk you've been. And if you would just listen to me and do it my way, everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't now, really work that way, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> and it's interesting. You know, we've talked, this has kind of come up twice now about how people a lot of times will focus on the behavior or the problem versus focusing on what do you want? Like so oftentimes, and we see this in our world today, we see it with politicians all the time. They're talking about what the other candidate is doing and what they're not going to do. But it's like, okay, what are, we don't want to know what you're against. Like we want to know what are you for? What are you yes. going to do? So yes. in the same, in the same vein in a relationship, it's so easy for us to talk about, you know, this behavior is, is upsetting me and I don't like what you're doing, but how often do we say, I really like what you're doing here. It makes me feel loved when you show up for me like this. And more of what you say, I'm always teaching my kids that you're the, the power of the tongue, like what you speak. Yes into existence becomes what you experience. And yes. so the same thing in relationships. So I love that your mantra, that's kind of what, you know, I look at these these things and I actually typed your mantra out, you know, I copied and pasted it from your website, but okay. um, <laughs> about, I like, how can we make this our own? This is really good. And I love like that they're short, concise statements. They're not wordy. They're okay. easy to remember. And they're there's action behind it. So it's not just inspirational. Like, you know, we want our love to be everlasting. Okay, great. What does that look like? You know, like, what is that? How can someone look at your love and see it being everlasting? Like, what does that look like? And so talking about vision, when I, my husband and I, you know, we're talking about like, okay, this is the vision. This is where we see ourselves going. Our vision, when we, we got married at 18 and 21, we didn't have a vision. We were just like, we're in love. You know what I mean? Um, and then that lasts for like three seconds, right? Right. Exactly. Right. And then you wake up to reality and like, oh, shoot. Okay. We got to make a life work here. And then the vision has progressed. It's grown over time. But I feel like a lot of couples who find themselves in conflict, it's because they're not anchored to anything greater than themselves. They're not, there's no focal point out in the future, you know? And so and it's so easy to get consumed by our problems. It you is. know, you might even have a relationship that's 90% great, yeah. but it's the 10% that gets all of the attention and the focus. Right. So one of the phrases I like to use is all is well, plus even better if equals a wildly wonderful life. 
because if you hold that, you know, be grateful. Like we actually do have a good relationship. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Um, and at the same time, wouldn't it be even better if we could do this or we had this amount of time together or this is how we made big decisions? And so again, it's that invitation into something rather the, than the condemnation for something that you don't want them to be doing. Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. you said in the last segment you were speaking of, <clears throat> what do you want? And that's my core question when I work with a couple and I ask them is, what do you want? Now, initially, most of them, because people don't usually take action until they are in some conflict, they'll say, well, I want them to stop doing that. I'm like, yeah, but what do you really want? So then we can start getting into what are the core areas of life, or sometimes I refer to the seven core human needs from Marshall Rosenberg's and compassionate communication, because really all conflict is us struggling to get our needs met. So if we can get away from the story and really move into what is the need that we want to have met, that is the the essence of what's trying to work its way through messily through conflict. That's right. And that takes incredible vulnerability because so many of us have not been trained well on how to, A, recognize our needs and then be able to communicate those needs to someone else. What happens is we we see that we have a need and then we expect our partner to just know what that is, <laughs> like by ESP or something. I don't know. You know, they're supposed to just figure it out. It doesn't count. They have to figure it out themselves, right? <laughs> right, right. It's like, why do we put each other through all these crazy hoops? And then if we are able to say, you know what? I have an unmet need. It doesn't mean that you're a bad spouse. doesn't mean you're a bad person. I just am having an unmet need. For example, my husband told me um, once he was like, you know, I I really need more touch from you. And that was something that I had no idea. I thought I was touching him pretty much. You know what I mean? I'm like, I I rub my toe against your leg every single night. You know, that's not what he meant. And so, and it wasn't even that he was asking for more sexual touch because we were good in that area, but he needed just more affection, just more like rubbing his back, more touching his arm. Well, I would have never known that if he didn't say something. Yeah. Right. So we're different. Now he, he's touched. I'm not, have you ever heard of the love languages? Absolutely. I I teach about them all the time. Yep. Great. So yeah. So for those out there who aren't uh, aware of them, I think it's, it's gifts, acts Mm -hmm. of service, words of praise and affirmation, touch, and quality time. Quality time. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so in my case, I'm acts of service. Like my husband, he puts a glass of water by my bed and plugs in my cell phone at night. Mm. It just has me feel so loved. Yeah. But then knowing that, you know, he's much more physical as well, like your husband in touch, right? And wants to actually experience touch. Mm-hmm. His favorite is me scratching the back of his hair at night if he's watching TV or something. Oh. And I just scratch the back of his head. Yeah. He just loves that, right? Yeah, but it's going um, so back yes, to... So yes, it is good to know, but that we are different. And That's not right. just for our love languages, but our wounds, as we mentioned, from our childhood mm-hmm. might be different. Like I have one about being stood up for. You know, he has one about having time to himself. He had an older brother who always wanted his time. And so he's much more of the introvert who wants just time alone. And here I'm the extrovert, like, want to go do this? Want to go do that? Which is perfect for his childhood wound. Um, And for us to learn to respect each other's needs, me for socializing and him for having more quiet time and how we balance those. You know, we've mentioned those needs so many times, I should probably mention what they are. 
those seven core human needs are connection, mm-hmm. honesty and trust, um, autonomy and, you know, having your own sense of freedom and choice, uh, meaning and purpose in life, something bigger than yourself, as you mentioned, play, peace and physical well-being. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the end all be all, but that's the model for meeting your needs that I look at. And there are essentially 14 core human feelings when your needs are being met, excuse me, 14 when your needs are not being met, and then 11 when your needs are being met. So to really understand the vocabulary of those feelings and what those needs are can really help you pop out of the whole story of a conflict yes. um, rather than getting hooked in it um, and give you some kind of handle rails to hold on to, to shift out of that. And then hopefully back to your vision that you've That's created. Right. That's right. So like, let's break it down on like a really simple practical level for people. Let's say that my husband, let's go back to my example of my husband has a need of physical touch, right? So that's one of the needs that he has to feel connected to me. But if I'm not meeting that need, then that will invoke some kind of feeling in him, whether that be disappointment, whether that be um, fear even, like, oh, my wife isn't touching me, so maybe she's not interested in me. So if he's not communicating that need, then he's going to sense that there's a conflict where no conflict exists. He just hasn't been vocal about that. So when he's thinking about resentment, bitterness, and which then leads to hatred and then disconnect of the relationship. But if he's thinking, okay, I've got this unmet need, how then would you then take, Gabby, for someone who has a need, how can they take that need and then create a vision for their relationship based on that need? Great. So you could either, you know, list out those seven core human needs. I also have a list of 10 just areas of life. You know, it's, it's spirituality and growth, um, health and well-being, you know, finances, communication, uh, partnership and connection, how you relate to others and out there in the world. And people don't have to have all these written down. Those who are watching, I have a free gift for you that's actually going to put all of this in. I call it a playbook instead of a workbook because I want you to be having fun while you're doing it. But it will list all those different areas that you can go through. And just at first, I have I have the couple separate and just honor their own desires. Now we're not two-year-olds. So once we acknowledge a desire doesn't mean it's a demand. There's a Mm. difference between sharing your desires and even making a request, let alone a demand. So to really slow down and separate that process and just have people honor their own wants. One of my friends says, uh, your desires mean something good about you. And so to uh, then come to your beloved and share your desires, not like a list of demands, but here's just the open kimono of, in my ideal world, this is what a relationship would look like. This is how we'd make decisions. This is what we, how we, would, what we would do with money. This is what we would do with our time. And you just have your ideal um, to share. Now, what most often happens is when couples share those they're far more aligned than they thought. The word I hear most often when couples share their visions is relief. Mm. Because what they realize is that they've been focusing on the small percentage of where they disagree and forgetting about all the places where they do agree. So once you bring where they agree, then we start to shorten it and synthesize it and use wordsmithing to make sure that it's inspiring to both people. And then ultimately get it shrunk down even to this mantra that I shared before. So now you can say it regularly, turn to it, 
And then even periodically, whether that's monthly or as my husband and I do every 90 days, we look at it and create new goals. So first start with what do you want? Then without enlisted demands, share it with your beloved. Then combine what the two of you have, shorten it, and then finally pick a period of time to come back to and revisit it so you can say, all right, how do we want to make that more of a reality now? Now, if I could add one last thing on that part is when you do go to set goals, I call them 90-day games. Mm -hmm. When you do go to set goals, you pick one area and set a goal for yourself. And your beloved can pick one area and set a goal for yourself. And then the two of you can pick one together. But never under any circumstances should you pick a goal for your beloved. That's right. That's <laughs> because right. people don't like to be told what to do. So mm -hmm. play a game together, but don't try to fix and change your beloved. Have them pick what they want to do to true up to the vision next. Right. And if you try to tell them <laughs> the inner rebel inside of all of us is not going to work on that, even if we know that that is something that we need to work on. But it goes back to one of our needs is autonomy. So if I feel like I have control yes. over myself and I have control over my own personal growth, then I am much more motivated to change those areas or improve upon those areas in my own life versus my spouse or, you know, someone else telling me like, oh, you need to work on your attitude, your attitude, then I'm never going to work on my attitude just because you told me I need to work on my attitude. I'll show yeah. you attitude. You think you right. saw attitude? Here comes my attitude. <laughs> Let me turn it up yeah. a notch. I actually did that once with my husband. He said, I can't talk to you when you're this angry. And I got really big and huge. And I said, you aren't angry. I'll show you angry. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my so well. gosh. Had, it was early on. We had a few tools to to work out those days. Good. Good. All right. So let's talk about so a couple they they've spent time, you know, with themselves. They've thought about their desires. They've written those down. I'm a big believer in like write it down. Like there's actually a Bible verse that says yes. write the vision, make it plain. Write it down. And then now you shared it with your beloved and now you've received their vision or their desires, their needs, right? And now you guys can create this comprehensive um, statement, if you will, for some, for, for, for some, I think it's intimidating to be like, we have to come up with like a, a, a statement, you know, but like when I'm walking through this with my couples, it's literally like, if you could look out in the future, like when we're all driving, when we're in driver's ed, our driver instructor tells us, look far, as far down the road as you can, because when you're only looking at the car right in front of you, then you're going to be, you know, tapping on the brake every single time something happens. But if you can look far out down the road, then you have a or better- Or worse, looking in the rear view mirror, Or don't right? look in the rear view mirror, <laughs> right, right. But if you could look far down the road, then you can see so yeah. much more. And I think that there are so many couples who unfortunately- because we've, many of us have been kind of bred in dysfunction. So we've only seen dysfunctional relationships. We've not seen two healthy, uh, emotionally intelligent adults being able to deal with conflict in a mature and responsible way. So I said all that to say that oftentimes there is, we don't have a vision because we've never seen it modeled before us. Like we might think in theory, well, I would like to have a relationship that is um, that we can address conflict immediately and make quick repairs. Maybe that's someone's vision, but they've never seen that done. So they don't even believe that it's possible for them. So I think that 
when we're talking about vision, like a big part of this is like really having faith again that what you want is possible for you. How do you how do you help people to if especially if they've been in dysfunctional relationships, they've been in relationships of brokenness and abuse uh, and not necessarily physical abuse, but just dysfunction. How do you help people to then see again, to re envision what a healthy relationship might look like for them? That's a great question, because as I said before, often people don't take action until they are in conflict, what I call the relationship ditch, right? They've fallen in a ditch and it's not so easy to get out of a ditch sometimes. And so if you're in a place of complaints, then I say start where you're at and you can take your complaints and translate them. So write it out as complaints and then translate the complaint into what's that quote? Negativity is a wish in disguise. Again, from Harville mm-hmm. Hendricks and Helen Hunt. I'm really quoting them today. Yeah. Um, but it, it is, is translating that. Now, if you're not even able to translate that, I have a program that I recommend called Venting for Victory. And I did a masterclass recently on, on the, and a blog on healthy venting, venting for victory. So that sometimes you do need to get what I call get the uglies out, but you don't want to get them out on each other. And you want to be very intelligent about who you vent to. It could be just in a journal. If it's going to be with a coach or a therapist, great. If you're doing it with a friend or a family member or a pastor, you just also want to be careful of the, of the, you know, you're going to forgive them a lot faster than others will. So yes, sometimes it's important to get the uglies out, but just be careful that's not on each other. And if you are stuck in conflict, then you want to just take those complaints and translate it into what's the wish underneath there? What is it that you actually want um, that's, that's that's pointed to out of that complaint? Mm-hmm. And realizing that if you're another, in it- another piece I would ask people to remember is just <clears throat> it's human to complain. Mm-hmm. It's just not often helpful. Right. And so one of my mantras I say to myself is, is it human or is it helpful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it might even be justified. They might even deserve it. Right. Right. But it's not going to help you get what you want. So I'd like to be much more practical and focus on what's going to be helpful, not just human. Yeah, John Acuff wrote a book called Soundtracks recently, and he talks about um, the thoughts that we think. Are they true? Are they kind? Are they helpful? And, you know, something can be true, but it's not kind. And if it's not true, or if it is true, and if it's maybe not kind, is it helpful? And so, again, I think this goes back to just the care and concern that, that's one of your mantras, mm-hmm. right? That we have yes. in our relationship communicating with care. We don't just say something because it's truthful. You know, if it's going to injure our spouse, we have to be careful about how we say things, even if they are true. So I want to, I want to go. Sometimes we have to say something that may not seem as kind, but if it's helpful, uh-huh. um, then sometimes if you do those in the right way, those can be valuable, but you want to still, I think you can still be helpful and kind. Yeah. You can um, speak the truth in love. You can say what needs to be said without shredding your partner and making them feel like they're the worst dog on the planet. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. I love that they add that helpful part at mm-hmm. the end. It's mm-hmm. it's so critical. And really, yeah. it's what's going to get you what you want. Do you mm-hmm. want to just um, release your emotional vomit? Like, oh, I feel better. But now there's all of this stuff between you and your beloved. Or do you actually want to have what I call a P3 relationship, playful, peaceful, and passionate, 
Because if you have a lover and you have a sanctuary and you have a playmate, then you've got it all in mm -hmm. your relationship, right? You've got yeah. all, all of those, those three. Yeah. Um, now, when we are in conflict, often people are trying to resolve the conflict from conflict. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to, you know, again, we have all these short little phrases, little um, mnemonics and, and short sentences to have people remember, which is first resolve the conflict, excuse me, first restore the connection, then resolve the conflict. Because if you're saying to each other, our love is bigger than this conflict, you're not stepping over it, we're going to resolve it. But let's just remember that this conflict is in the container of our commitment and our care, rather than our commitment and care is, is, is under the pressure of this conflict. And it just, it just has you resolve things much more creatively and compassionately and as, as not just play partners, but as playmates too. And that's where that vision again comes into play. I think if you have a vision that's short enough that you can remember it, that you can recite it, when you are in conflict, then you can start that conversation with just reaffirming the vision that you say, it's just like a business. You know, when businesses are in trouble, they go back to their vision. Okay, why do we exist? We exist for this purpose. And then they deal with, okay, how do we get out of the red? Or how do we, you know, fix what's wrong? But I love that you said, you like, you can't start from the conflict. You have to start from the connection. And I know that having a vision is what keeps you connected. Yeah, even once a year, we will uh, go through our vision and score how we're doing in each of those areas. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, we now have a quarterly practice. I was just sharing that with you before we started our relationship report card, where we kind of just do our state of the union and we'll look and see with those seven human needs, how are we doing? With our vision, how are we doing? We look at our wedding vows, how are we doing? And just give it a number so that we're not waiting until something is in the threes or the twos and causing a real big conflict. But are there any areas of our needs or our vision that are in the sevens so that we can early on, you know, take some action to be like, yeah, play's been a little stale lately. All right. Well, maybe we need to get more creative with our date nights or maybe we need to plan a, an overnight trip with just the two of us without the family, which I always tell my clients, you got to distinguish between family trips and vacations because if the kids are with you, it's not a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> this is so true. Every mother was like, amen, amen. <laughs> Well, Gabby, this has been really helpful. One of the, the things, one of our mantras that we say on the show all the time is that a good relationship is not one that works. It's one where you put in the work. And I think what you've helped us to realize today is this is hard work. Like it's not hard work. I always say it's not hard work. It's hard work. But it, it, it does take intentionality. Real good relationships do not happen by chance. They happen by choice. And so making these tweaks, like some couples just need to tweak a little bit in their relationships, start from the positive, stop complaining, like you said before, you know, stop focusing on the behavioral challenges, but to get a comprehensive view of what do you want? What would your relationship look like? What could it look like if, and that's where it gets fun and that's where it gets creative. And that's what I feel kind of stirs and strokes those embers of love again, that maybe we let die because we were so focused on like all the negativity that we are experiencing in our relationships. Oh, so, I just love you, Dana. Hard work. I love that. Yes. I, I like to say a little bit of intention, attention and action spread over time takes it out of the realm of work and into the realm of effort, right? Mm -hmm. And it's even play. And you really just said that so much shorter and beautifully, <laughs> you know, it's hard work. 
And if you are doing it as a habit, if you're, you know, they, as they say, your relationship happiness is determined by your relationship habits, then it's not work. It's just a part of your couple culture and who you are. My husband and I mentioned the quarterly, you know, check-in to create our goals. We've now, not everyone, but most of the year, we try and go away for two or three days so that we can do a couple days of goal setting and one day for we have like a little sexy date, right? So that we're really getting away and making sure that we have time together. That doesn't happen on its own. That has to take a lot of effort and schedule and planning and investment and saving. Um, but that, that intention and that effort pays off tenfold. Absolutely. Well, Gabby, where can people go to find you? I know I'm going to send them to the link uh, that they can get their uh, free copy of the playbook. And where is the best place for them to go if they want to learn more about what you and uh, what if they want to learn more about you and what you do? Thanks so much, Dana. You know what I'm going to do is also I'm going to put on there. I have a cheat sheet for those feelings and needs. And I mentioned the 14 feelings when your needs are not being met and the 11 core feelings because that way you can express your feelings a little bit more clearly. Like I'm feeling this, this, and this because I have a need for this, this, and this rather than, well, you did this because of this and now I feel this. So um, I'll put that on the page as well. And that's for better.love forward slash real for your real talk podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. You want to find out about creating more play, peace, and passion in your relationship, just start there. We'll send that to you and, and you can reach out to me as well. Dana, we got to stay in touch. We We're do. so aligned and we, I love the little short phrases that you're creating and I'm going to make sure that I'm following you on all of your platforms and check out what you're doing because it's, it's clear, it's positive uh, and really helpful. Thank you so much, Gabby. This has been such a pleasure talking to you today. Well, friends, I hope that right now you're already starting to get those brain wheels turning in ways that you can create a relationship vision, a vision statement where you and your spouse can actually sit together and talk about where your relationship is headed in the future. Again, if you do not have something that you are anchored in, if you do not have an end goal, then your relationship is more susceptible to going off the rails. So Gabby, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. Friends, do not neglect the free resource that she's offering you. All you have to do to access it is to go to forbetter.love forward slash real. That's F-O-R-B-E-T-T-R dot love forward slash R-E-A-L. Well, it has been an absolute honor to be here with you today. Happy New Year again. No matter when you're listening to this podcast, we recorded this around New Year's 2023, which is crazy to think that we're already in 2023. And I hope that this year that you can actually put away those could have, should have, would have, and you begin to create an intentional plan on how you are going to grow as an individual and how your marriage or your relationship is going to grow to new heights, new levels levels that you only dreamed about. You can do it, my friends. Listen, all of the show notes that we talked about today, and this was a jam-packed episode full of content. I'm going to have all the links that Gabby talked about, all the quotables, the books, all the things that she shared. That is all available for you right now at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 125. So be sure to check out the show notes. And if you would share this episode with a friend, with someone who is wallowing in pity and shame and regret. And they just need a boost. They need some encouragement. They need to know that their relationship is worth saving if they would only envision something better. So 
As we always say, my friends, a good relationship is not one that works. It's one where you put in the work. Let's get to work. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too. Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stressless Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.